he's a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth, the world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to The Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Intercom Studios, Maslin and Wilshire. I'm in the building, back in the building, but I'm missing my goat. Greg Biggins is not in studio, but he is on the line. GB, what it do? What's up, Coach Keith? I'm in the building, but I'm in my house. In Huntington Beach. Huntington Beach is building, I got no a question. Baseball bat in my head. I'm ready, baby. I, and, I, and I'm glad, my man. I am glad that you are there, and I'm glad you got that bat. Uh, but it's great to have you uh, on the line, even though you're not here. We got a terrific interview with my man Ron Allen from B2G. We're going to drop on everybody kind of towards the back end of the show. But before we get to any of that, we got some recruiting news, GB. Why don't you go ahead and get us started? We got a new commitment for this week, and it is a kid from the Northwest by the name of Anthony Gould from West Salem, Oregon. He's a wide receiver. Commit to Oregon State to be land one of the fastest players out West. Kid's 5'8", 155, and at the NorCal Nike opening regional. That's a lot of, a lot of words to call a, a camp. Yeah, the geez. NorCal Nike opening, opening regional. regional something camp. But he had the fourth highest transparent truth rated in the camp. Wow. The transparent truth rating, huh? I like and it. And then my, my guy, B Stump, said they don't have a title for it right now. It's not the Nike rating. It's not the Spark rating. So I said, hey, we're just going to start calling it the transparent truth rating. It's spoken it's for it now, baby. We'll, we'll get B Stump on the show one time, and we'll say, hey, let's make this happen. What yeah. do you do call it the transparent truth? But he, he went four five one electronic and jumped 40 inches in the wow. vertical jump. I've always been a big vertical jump guy. So. Yeah. Anthony Gould going to Oregon State. Uh, how about some new offers, Keith? Yeah, let's go Great with it. Those. How about Miles Morale? Morale? Name wrong. Yeah. We've been saying his name wrong, but Miles um, knows we have nothing but love for him. But he landed a big offer from the Oregon Ducks. Staying with the offensive line theme, Jason Rodriguez from Oak Hills landed an offer from Notre Dame. Nice. University. They're pretty good. Pretty historical. We have a 2020 receiver by the name of G. Scott. Picked up an offer from Arizona. Also, in that 20 class in the Northwest, Sam Adams, the running back, also landed one from Arizona. We had Nathaniel Colombo. Don't call him Nathan. Nathaniel. Once you call him Nathan, he's going to call me Nathaniel. Yeah. He's 6'6", 280, 290. So I said, hey, man, I'll call you whatever you want to be called. That's right. He landed landed offers from Arizona, ASU, and Missouri. We have Bradley Archer. Picks up a big offer from Cal. One of my favorite DBs this year is Cameron Williams from Bakersfield High School. Landed two more Pac-12 offers. He's pushed past pushed, pushed past the double-digit mark. He lands Colorado and Oregon State. Also from Punahou, Hawaii, Duke Clemens. He's a guard tackle. He landed one from Oregon State, as you can kind of see. The Beavs were pretty active this past week. Oh, yeah. We have Austin Jones from Bishop O'Dell, the fighting Napoleon Kaufmans. That's right. He lands an offer from Penn State. The Nittany Lions, that's kind of a big offer. Uh, one of my favorite receivers from the Northern California class, Jalen McMillan, out of the 2020 class. Uh, he landed most recently an offer from Arizona, already had Cal and Oregon State. This guy is really good. 
I think he's a uh, potential top 100 player in that 2020 class. Good film, high athletic, four or five guy at that NorCal opening, the opening regional camp event. <laughs> <laughs> How about Dylan Hall from Antelope Valley, landing Boise State and yep. Oregon State? How about Jude Wolf um, coming out with the top eight? That top eight would be USC, Washington, Oregon, Michigan, Notre Dame, UCLA, Ohio State, and Alabama. Jude. A pretty solid top eight. Oh, yeah. Hey, Jude. Pretty solid top eight. Um, we have a, a San Jacinto tight end who's still by recently looked at and kind of liked a lot. Caleb Harvey. Oh. I'm saying his name right. It's H E R V E R Y. Yeah. Uh, Harvey. I'm, I'm kind of pronouncing like it would be H R, but hopefully uh, it's the same way. I'm not trying to disrespect you, Mr. Caleb Harvey. If I am, DM me and say, hey, you're pronouncing it wrong. It's pronounced Hervey because it is H E, but I'm calling it Harvey. Just okay. Because. But, anyways, Oregon State offered him San Jacinto tight end, about 6'3, 235. The kid can run and jump. Good looking player. Upland receiver Taj Davis, he's really blown up. Yeah, he's hot. Offer from Bandy already had Stanford, Cal, and Oregon State. Those are kind of his, probably his three schools right now pushing hardest for him. But Bandy, first SEC offer for Taj Davis. How about we go back to Oregon State for a second? They offered two more players. How about a guy we both love, going by the name of Mr. George Halani. Mm, the Polynesian powerhouse. I was going to ask if you had a nickname for him. I should have known you. You did. Come on now, GB. Powerhouse. Yeah. George Halani, Oregon State. Uh, Shamar Martin, one of the hottest prospects in the city of San Diego. Mm. Picked up one from, guess who? Guess who offered Shamar Martin? A pretty talented linebacker. Take a a wild guess. The Oregon State Beavers. The Oregon State Beavers, absolutely. Nebraska offered modern-day tight end Michael Martinez. Nice. The Oregon Ducks offered Denzel tight end Isaiah Foskey. Arizona State offered Linfield Christian two-way lineman Ben Coleman. Kind of a funny story. Ben told me yesterday he was actually taking an unofficial to ASU and was expecting an offer, but guess what happened that same day? What happened? Todd Graham got fired while Ooh. he was on campus while he was taking his visit. So he, uh, he thought that was kind of interesting and obviously no offer that day, but he did pick up the offer on Monday. So good for Ben Coleman getting that offer from ASU. His mother went to ASU. His father played hoops at Wake Forest with a guy named Tim Duncan. Maybe the uh, the greatest power forward of all time behind only A.C. Green. Tim Duncan was pretty good back in the day. Oh, yeah. Wasn't bad. Braden, Wasn't terrible. Braden Lebrock, Arizona's finest. One of the elite tight ends. Big tight end. Yep. Offered by a school that we, we like to call University of Alabama. Mm. They're not a bad school. And uh, Lebrock, kid is really good. I saw him at passing down I saw him, uh, not a pass it down, it was at the Adidas tournament a couple weeks ago, and he's elite, 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 elite. He recently took visits to Notre Dame, Ohio State, Texas, and Colorado, so visited a uh, couple of national powerhouses and a Pac-12 school uh, fairly close to home. Staying with the visit theme, we had Kendall Milton, 2020 running back, a top 10 player nationally, visited Florida State. He loved it. The Knowles, all over the West Coast right now, they're trying to get that that movement. West Side Knowles. Trying to, they got Jaden Woodby and, and Cam McDonald from Long Beach probably already there. They're, they're trying. They're making a big push for guys like Sean Dollars and Elias Ricks. And so we'll see. We'll see if Florida State can sign a couple more guys. Obviously, all those guys I named, a couple of them at least, were the uh, 2020 class, but they're making a push for sure. Uh, Spencer Lytle visited Texas and Texas A&M. 
uh, over the weekend. Love both those visits. Ryan Helensky, it wouldn't be a week without Ryan Helensky visiting somewhere. He visited briefly UCLA. He said he want to go watch him throw, but they do like him. He also visited Arizona and Arizona State and landed an offer from Texas A&M on Monday. So Ryan Helensky is going to come out with his top eight pretty soon here. Both offer from Texas A&M. It's not going to be a top ten. I said, Ryan, man, no one cares about the top five. I go, hold off the announcement. Just go wait till you do a top five. Yeah. And he said, okay. He's going to do it anyway. So he'll still be a top ten. Uh, when this show airs on Wednesday, because today is Tuesday, visiting the University of Florida is going to be a guy who goes to a school from Cajon High School by the name of Jaden Daniels, one of the nation's elite quarterbacks. He's visiting the Gators, visiting the Swamp on Wednesday. Uh, Chris Steele took an SEC visit to South Carolina over the weekend. Chris Steele has not been shy about taking trips. He's been to Texas A&M, been to LSU, been to USC, UCLA a couple times. He's going to go to Oklahoma. Yeah. Oregon, absolutely loved Oregon. Uh, Oklahoma is going to be an official visit coming up here pretty soon. So Chris Steele is getting out there. And guess what? That is all I got for this week, Coach Keith. That is the recruiting notes. Hey, GB, I wonder if you've noticed, have you noticed the, the I guess, the transformation you know, we talked about the transformation of JT Daniels and his ability to run and how his body changed. Have you noticed that with Ryan Helensky in this offseason? His body changing? Yes. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, he, he, I, I, when I saw him, um, I think he's pretty well put together. I haven't really seen, um, you know, if he's gotten thicker or if he's gotten leaned out. If, if he looks yeah. more athletic, he looks good. I mean, he looks good to me. What, yeah. what are you seeing? I, I've seen he's gotten leaner but become more more, more cut up, you know, trim body fat, really stepping up his, his strength program. I see his body's really starting to develop into a college-level quarterback right now. Um, that's something that's very, very intriguing, especially, again, as we watch JT Daniels kind of develop his frame for his huge junior season that he had last year. I think Ryan Helensky's on the line to do the same. So just something that I've been kind of noticing kind of through the pictures. I hope so, man. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. So it's a good thing. So we appreciate you, GB. Hey, really quickly, that's a linebacker yep. out of Etiwanda High School. Got a University of Washington State offer. Jerome Wilson, what can you tell me about this kid? Yeah, I watched this tape last night when I saw I got the offer. Should have already watched it. But, uh, no, kind of kind of built like you. You know, he's a— Short he's, and fat? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that's the most self-deprecating thing you've ever said, Keith. I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of proud— uh, you actually showed a little bit of humility. That's a beautiful thing. No, it was a joke, I'm Jimmy. I was I'm joking. Yeah, I, know how you really, I know how you really feel about yourself. I'm an Adonis, man. Come on. <laughs> no, the kid looks good, though. Man, that's not, definitely not going to be his first offer. That's a great That's a great first offer to get. Washington State does a great job with linebackers. Sure. But I said, no, he, man, he looks good. You know, he's tough. He's fast. He's active. Uh, he, he, he's a banger. He'll come up and hit you. Good. So, uh, yeah, I like him. I like the kid. He's, I like uh, I like a lot about him. So I think he's going to be uh, a guy. We're going to probably see him tweet out a few more offers over the next couple, couple of weeks. So good for you, Jerome. Jerome Wilson over there out of Etiwanda. So we appreciate you, GB. Always keeping us up to speed on the latest and greatest. Talking recruiting. Not just here in SoCal, but all over the West Coast. Trips, offers, commits, top eights, top fives. Hey, man, nobody does it better than my friend, the GOAT, Greg Biggins. We appreciate you. Moving along, it's time for our Sleeper of the Week. 
it's time for our sit and sleep sleeper of the week. Really want to thank our guy Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. Our Sleep of the Week this week comes from a school called Jay Sarah. He's a 2021 quarterback, Tracy Warren. 2021 quarterback, Tracy Warren out of Jay Sarah. Six foot three, smooth delivery, accurate, great anticipator. Throws the ball in windows, does a nice job getting out of the pocket, using his feet, but keeping his eyes downfield, doesn't lock on receivers, has the ability to go through progressions, read the field correctly, deliver the throw on time. Really like this kid. Saw his freshman tape and evaluated earlier this offseason. Um, he's a winner. He's got a winning gene. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised this kid becomes a big, big time college recruit and a big time college player in the years to come so Tracy Warren J. Sarah High School quarterback class of 2021 congratulations you're this week's sleeper of the week congratulations J. Sarah High School in the news they got uh, obviously got Caden Bell over there at quarterback this year the survive transfer I heard they might not be done just yet yeah J. Sarah they it's, are making a run they could be they could be bringing in some some more some more action. Can't say anything too much right now, but they could be bringing in some serious action over the next week or so. We'll see. Well, right now, Narbon has won the offseason, GB. But Jay Sarah... Narbon is definitely doing some things. Jay Sarah yeah. is nipping at the heels. I still say, man, for pure star power, it's kind of hard to beat Sean Dollars, Jeremiah Cardell, Braden Huffman-Dixon, and Bryce Young over there at Modern Day High School. That's not a bad That's not a bad star power in terms of transfers in this offseason. you got to put Monarchs up there at least. Yeah, I, I do. I do. They might be 1A, but again, Jay Sarah doing a nice job. And I know my man Caden Bell's over there at quarterback. I really like the upside of Tracy Warren. I want to spotlight a guy with no offers um, who I think is going to be a big-time player down the road. So he's our sleeper Go of the week. Tracy Warren. Go do your thing, big fella. So, GB, this past weekend we had the passing down. Uh, we weren't in attendance, but we read the articles. We talked to some people. What have you heard from the passing down, GB? Yeah, you know, the first weekend I decided to stay home. Uh, you know, my father, had, we had a celebration of life with my dad on Saturday. And uh, that was my Saturday. And then Sunday, you know what? I wanted to do the dad thing after talking about my dad on Saturday. I decided yeah. to do the dad thing with my, my kids. But uh, Rare Breed, my guy Robert Gorn, who I covered back when he was playing in high school, took that one, beat Pro Way in, in the final. And Rare Breed has looked good. At a lot of different events, and, and they, they got some guys. You know, it's, uh, passing down kind of does it a little bit differently. I'm not a huge fan of, of how they do their, their. I love their tournament, but what they do is, you know, you have your pods, you have your eight, you know, pool play, and then once the pool play is done, then you play the same team in your pool to get out and go to the quarterfinals. I was, I was kind of wish like once pool play is done, play somebody different. Yeah. So modern day beat up on uh, a rare breed a little bit in pool play. 
and then they end up playing him again to get out of their pool. And this time, Rare Breed took him down. Jerome Simpson. Jerome Jamar Simpson. Jamar Simpson, yes. Jamar Simpson. I had Jerome in my head still. Jamar went deep, not once, but twice. I'm not going to... Not going to mention who he beat, but he beat some pretty prominent defensive backs for the Monarchs. I think it was three times, GB. We, we should throw out, should throw out. They're not trying to be an apologist, but uh, no McCoy, who's pretty good at football. Uh, no Mace Fuda, who's pretty good at football. And after pull play, no Daring Green Warren, uh, who's also pretty good at football. He had some, you know, some uh, some some injury issues. So modern day is still loaded, obviously. But props to Rare Breed for for going in there and, and taking it. Uh, yeah, man, Jabbar is, is a fast emerging guy. Speed the, wins. The fastest man competition at the Nike, SoCal Nike opening regional. event. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speed wins, GB. You got a guy that can run, man. He can get behind oh, the defense. Especially at the, uh, you know, in seven-on-seven play. Of course. They, I was going to say where they can't do too much grabbing, but who am I kidding? There's, there's so much. Who Not are you ahead. kidding? So Darnell Washington, the kid from Nevada, yeah. GB, he finally attended an event at seven on seven, we weren't there. It sucks to be us, but I hear the kid look great. I hear his frame is everything that we thought it was, and we we assured everybody was a couple of weeks ago at the Nike opening regional here in SoCal. Heard he did a really nice job. Addition, oh, special, yeah, special talent, yeah. He's got an unbelievable upside. He's just a, he's gonna be a monster. There's no question man, about it. A man among boys. How about this, GB? Bryce Young doesn't get to the championship for the first time in his seven on seven career in high school. Yeah, that's a, it. Was a crazy stat where I think every tournament that he's played in since high school, his team made it to finals. They didn't win every time, but whether it was you know with, with Ground Zero, with his uh, Cathedral team, or you know obviously Premium, and he had a, had a streak going that was kind of similar to Joe DiMaggio. Yeah, fifty six game hitting streak. Came to an end at the hands of uh, of rare breed. Yeah, no question Went about beating it. Beating them and, and go, to go in the corner in the quarters and and so you know who was this is kind of funny. So the semifinals of all these regionals make it to the the, the best of the West. Pass it down. You know who was most happy? Who's that? That the modern day team lost. Oh, in the finals. Sure, it's going to be Bryce Young's All Star team. Yeah, it's going to be premium and ground zero. Yeah. There was a ton of guys for both those two All Star teams that were going to be. Uh, you know, Marley wins this tournament, or shoot, Marley gets the semifinals. Now you got Bryce Young, you got Elias Ricks, you got Darren Green Ward, you got Drew McCoy, you got Michael Martinez, you got all these dudes who uh, who play for either premium or ground zero, who probably would be playing for modern day, although I know Armand said, no, they're playing for me. We'll see. We would have, not, we, now we don't have to. Yeah, see, no, we won't we'll see. see how right. Bruce Rollins would, would have felt about that one. Yeah. But uh, now it's a moot point. Bryce was playing for premium. Michael Martinez, Jeremiah Cornell, all those dudes, Sean Dollars, they'll be playing for uh, for ground zero. So they'll be at the Passing Down Championship, which I will definitely be at whenever that one is. I don't know the day at the top of my head, but uh, as, long as, I as long as I don't have any more relatives dying on me, I'll be at that one for sure. Yeah. God, well, yeah, listen, please, don't, don't even God, go no. there, GB. So this weekend, I think we have the Adidas 7-on-7 National Championships at El Camino. Is that this weekend? I thought it was, uh, thought it was a later date because we got, got Easter this weekend, right? It is Easter this weekend. I'm sorry. That's I, that's me. I think we have this weekend off. And then the, the big Adidas one might be 
might be a little bit later on. I'm kind of looking at my schedule as we speak here. Okay. Um, the Adida, that's going to be April 6th to the 8th. So not there you this go. weekend, but the next weekend. Two yeah, weeks. That'll be at El Camino College. There yes, you sir, go. That'll be good. That'll be Adidas. The, the Adidas regional one was really good. So they'll be the winners from all the other, you know, the Florida one, the Texas one. Obviously, uh, Premium one, the one that I went to a couple weeks ago. So that should be loaded. Will you be at the Adidas 717 Championships? I absolutely will be. Okay. Seven on seven. God willing. God willing. uh, Everything is good. I will be there. I'll be at the Polynesian Combine in Vegas. Looking forward to that. Seeing a lot of ballers get after each other. Yeah, you'll see my guys Blair and uh, B. Huff will both be at that one as well. I know Huff for sure. I think Blair too. So you'll see. uh, You'll see a couple of my guys out there. That'll be good. Well, I'm sure B. Huff's going to find a good place for us to eat. No question about that. He's a five star. There's plenty. There's plenty out there in Vegas, man. He'll find every single one of them. There's no doubt about it. So moving along, GB, uh, we've got an interview. We got an interview with uh, one of the goats. I mean, <laughs> what, do you, what what can you call a guy by the name of Ron Allen who helped start B2G? What do you think? No, I mean, it was it was Ron and Henry. And I, I I hope uh, you know I hope those guys are still good. You know they were they were partners in crime and, and you know good friends. So hopefully uh, hopefully. They're still good, and, and we can talk about them together because it really was a kind of a tag team effort. Like I said, you know, I was traveling, so it really wasn't a part of that seven on seven culture when it first kind of sprung up. But once I was off the road and left student sports and kind of saw it, it was it was a very unique environment. And every, but let me just tell you, I can't exaggerate this enough. Every tournament, man, every parent, every player, every coach hated B two G with a passion. They were the ones that everyone gunned for. They were the, the kind of the pretty boys that had the sweet Adidas jerseys. No one else. Everyone's wearing ugly T-shirts with your names in the back of it. Uh, those are the dudes that won everything, and uh, they kind of got this whole thing going. So even how, you know, right now premium is rolling right now. Malik and Milvon James, you know, they started off with B2G, but they kind of broke off and did premium. But So they were all kind of part of the B2G family at one time, and, and B2G was where it was at for, for a long time when this whole thing started up. Yeah, no question about it. So, without further ado, let's cut to it, B, uh, GB. We got Ron Allen, B2G's head man. Here we go. All right, now we'd like to welcome in maybe somewhat of a godfather in the 7-on-7 seven seven circuit, a man who helped start the whole super team in 7-on-7, seven seven, B2G's Ron Allen. Ron, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I, I need you as my hype man when, when we travel the country. If you can introduce me like that every time I come out, I'm going to have a... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have a good day every time. Wait, Appreciate man, if, if the check is right, you know I'll be there. So don't worry about that. <laughs> I love it. Of I course, I got it. my man Greg Biggins here. And we got some some questions for you. We're going to dive right in, Ron. Um, first thing I'd like to know is, how did B2G get started? What was that What was that process like? Uh, man, that's a good question. It was started by some kids that were finishing up college and, and saw void in in football training as far as skills were concerned um, a lot of players that were already D1 bound guys are already going to big time schools didn't really have that many options so we saw a lot of kids take the foot off the gas pedal and lo and behold we get to college and realize that if that was not the right thing to do if anything we should have pressed harder but as a teenager you only know what you've experienced so far and so looking back on it we were like, man, I wish I had all this knowledge going into college that I do now that, we, that you know, we're finished. And so, yeah, we, we provided a solution. Yeah, no, that, that falls right in line kind of 
uh, with some questions that I have for you down the road. So you guys started B2G. What year did you guys start in? And when you first started, who were some of the top players that kind of came to B2G and participated? Uh, it was the year 2000, and we started with uh, an elite camp that only had 12 players show up that, that first day. It just so happened that out of those 12 players, uh, you know, there were some studs that showed up. Uh, Matt Ware, um, I want to say Matt saw almost a decade in the NFL. Uh, Tyler Ebell went on to uh, be the national uh, single season record holder for rushing. Um, both UCLA guys. Um, I, I mean, it was really a, a, such an honor to have such great kids to um, to start off with. Um, Terrence Whitehead being another one, another uh, Pac-12 standout. Um, but the but the reality is, uh, it, it didn't matter who showed up. We we were going to teach what we wish we would have known, and those guys gravitated to it and and took it and ran with it, and it allowed us to you know, open up another one next year. So, uh, you know, hats, hats off to, to some of those, you know, first original BTG guys. Because, uh, yeah, without them, we, we wouldn't have made it to this day. Um, you know, their parents as well, speaking up for us. So you mentioned some big-time names. You guys, you at B2G and, and the guys who ran that, you guys kind of started off the first kind of super team in 7-on-7. Seven seven. Most guys were playing with their high school teams or they would pick up a guy, maybe two guys. You guys started the first kind of super teams on the circuit. What do you remember about the kind of best players that you've coached on those super teams? You know, it's so many guys that I can bring up. Um and I, I feel like I'm on stage at, at like the Oscars, and I, I just won like Best Picture. And I got to remember everybody who helped me, <laughs> helped me win that that yeah. trophy. Right? It, it's tough, but um, I, I got to give props to uh, two of my favorite receivers, uh, Gabe Marks out of Venice High School, Washington State record holder, and Trent Irwin. Uh, out of hard high schools now up at Stanford. Those are two of my, my guys, mainly because we had them for so long. And they both started in eighth grade with us. And, and their commitment to the work, no matter what was being done to them, no matter who was in front of them, no matter what obstacles they had to deal with, they were very just religious with, with doing the right thing. And so to me, that, that that's a bigger formula for success than, than, um, than, than anything. Um, However, I, I, I'm probably going to go with, and I man, this, this is tough because I, I don't I don't want to not include Iman Marshall, who was another one that that was just lights out for us for for a good four years. Jack Jones as well, both the two Long Beach Poly guys now at SC. But I, I'm gonna have to go with Paul Richardson, man. That that very first year we, we put the 7017, uh, the All Star 7017 together. Paul was um, probably the most athletic, smoothest, uh, best route runner that that I've seen, and he was a gamer. On top of all that, on top of all the athletic talents and, and gifts, that, that doesn't guarantee that you can turn it on every play when the you know the, the whistle blows. But he was a gamer. Um, one story that I, I, I'm gonna take to my grave. I know. Shaquille Richardson is probably going to kill me. Shaquille Richardson is now signed with the uh, Raiders. Uh, salute to him. 
he just signed him, uh, I believe about a month ago, uh, is Paul Richardson's cousin. And they used to come out to BTG and uh, they would compete every day. Shaq was a, a corner and Paul was a receiver. And one particular play in practice, getting ready for, uh, you know, real competition gets the, the rest of the teams that we play on the circuit. And we, we see the best one-on-one matchup probably ever. Paul took Shaquille O'Neal up top, excuse me, Shaquille Richardson up top, caught a post on him, burnt him on the, on the post, and Shaq tried to kind of knock the ball out. In stride, Paul took two steps and went to dunk the ball over the goalpost. Shaquille being the predator he is, tried to block it, and Paul dunked on him on the goalpost. He got beat twice Ooh. <laughs> in one play. Ooh. And, and that's just indicative of what kind of player Paul is. So salute to Paul uh, and, and his success in the NFL. Um, proud of, you know, all, all my kids. But, yeah, to answer your question, probably Paul Richardson might be uh, the most impressive that, that, that I've coached over the years. B2G's been around the world playing seven on seven. You started in 2000, so it's 18 years in. Who are some of the, I don't know, who are the top two or three best players that you've seen, period, let's say outside of California on the circuit? Mm, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Uh, I probably have to go with uh, two of the South Florida Express guys that I, that I, I, I like. And that's. Uh, Deontay Mullins and Sam Bruce. Sam Bruce, um, Isaac Bruce, son. Yeah, I mean those two guys gave us problems. We we, we took a pretty loaded team down to Florida uh, a few years back and threw a tournament down there, BTG tournament down there, and it was it was a lot of talent. Um, but South Florida Express probably was was uh, the most stacked team, pound for pound. And Sam Bruce and Deontay Mullins gave us fits. They gave us headaches. I mean, they were athletic, swag, confident, and just they they both seemed like they were already 21 years old. We didn't check any birth certificates that day. We should have. But, but they were just a man among, amongst boys, man. So, yeah, I'd have to go with those two guys. So fast forward, you start in 2000 to 2018. The circuit, it seems like it's changed a little bit. What are your thoughts on today's 7-on-7 seven seven climate? Um, you know, I, I'm relentlessly positive regardless. And my, and my perspective on, on kids, I try not to get too critical um, because I, I just see growth opportunities, right? I, I see a lot of um, good things in terms of what is being accomplished in 707, right? The alternative, um, when I was in high school, was you either did track, baseball, or, or you were in the streets. And so the way I see 707, it's growing. It's a lot more clubs being started every year. Um, but I see those as, as opportunities to do something positive. I mean, is it the most efficient it can be is the best it can be. No, I think we still got some work to do just, just like with anything we can always improve. But I like that there's more kids doing positive things towards, you know, their football careers, their potential college uh, opportunities. It's to me, I'd rather see that than the peak of gangbanging like we saw in eighties and nineties. 
um, when we didn't have as many opportunities for kids to, to do constructive, positive things in the offseason. Piggybacking off of that, do you see the circuit evolving into a year-round deal? Um, well, I mean, it is kind of year-round, but I, I, I will say this 707 club circuit is, is still uh, a supplement for, for the high school football season and what the high schools do um, to prepare for the, for the football season. So I, I don't, I don't want to say it's going to overcome high school and take over. In, in my humble opinion, um, I really believe that high school football is a priority and B2G as a company is always taking second fiddle to whatever the high school obligations are. And so if, if you know, the high school is going to go, you know, three, four months off, then we'll take those three, four months and, and give the kids a, a, a platform to improve their, their game and and, and um, make themselves better for whatever team. If the high school is going to give us five or six months, then we'll take those five or six months. But uh, I, I still want the high schools to still have their time to focus on the kids. I, I, I do not want to be that, um, that group that is, uh, you know, doing high school tournaments or holding uh, 707 tryouts during the high school football time. I, I want that to be dedicated to what they got to do because that, that's a lot in itself. I mean, God, God forbid you got, um, you know, your eighth, ninth game of the season and, you know, you're a high school coach who has to deal with some of your kids going to trial for a club 707 team on the weekend and then, you know, taking away from what you got to do to win the next Friday night. I, I, I'm not really with that. Respond to this narrative, Coach. The circuit competition has boiled over into dirty play, encouraging poor sportsmanship and out of control parents and coaches. Hmm. Well, I'm gonna say this, and, and don't take this the wrong way because I, again, I, I'm always looking for ways to improve, and I definitely think we have as a a community, a 707 club community, some some rooms for improvement. But if you take 707 away, or, or you, it never started, we will still have all the above that you just mentioned. Um, you know, you can go to to the youth football level, or, or heck, watch uh, the show Friday Night Tikes one episode, and you see that 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 was already an issue to begin with. So I wouldn't want anybody to see the club 707 is the reason why you have dirty play or out of control coaches or over the top parents um, is it uh, um, something that's evident in 707 Club sure yeah I mean I, I see it and you know we, we address it constantly to try to make sure we're influencing um, the players and, the, and our parents and our coaches to, to do the right thing um, but yeah, that 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 problem started long before us, and, and it's probably going to continue well after us. So yeah, I, I wouldn't want us to take the blame for it. But um, yeah, as an indicator uh, of what a, an existing problem we already have, yeah, I'll, I'll say that. It, it, but yeah, <laughs> that that's a problem we need to fix regardless. What do you think the circuit is missing? If you could make it into whatever you like it to be, what do you think? The circuit is missing right now. Um, I think more direction, more mentoring, and more education from the um, powers that be 
to help the actual club coaches, the club key influencers. Because um, reality is, there, there's nobody that has a greater influence on the on those kids than than the adults or young adults that that they are with every day, or with you know three four days out of the week. So what I see, because there wasn't a true barrier of entry for seven on seven club teams to start. I mean, pretty much anybody that can round up some kids can start a team. However, um, I, I don't know how many of those coaches or key influencers have mentors that help shape them into the best coach they can be Good or point. the best person they can be. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that was something that we've always done at B2G from the time we started. And maybe because we were so young coming out of college and, and you know, we needed um, that direction. At least we recognized the need for, for direction. Um, you know, we enlisted some of our um, you know older counterparts established businessmen established coaches and and you know we sucked them dry for for knowledge um, you know insight mentorship to make sure we were going about it the right way and and you know thank God we we had guys that were in the mindset of something bigger than just let's just make this kid shine right now louder than any shiny object we could find it wasn't necessarily about that it was um more so concept of you know long-term development sustainability yeah you know uh, a bigger picture down the road um you know college offers was kind of short-sighted in terms of um you know what we were focused on it was more so how how can you you know make it to graduate from a major university and, and going to be a good pro at whatever it is, you know, let's, let's focus on principles that, that are going to help with that. And that came from, um, you know, a, a kind of informal board of advisors that we had that, you know, it, it spanned from uh, Greg's old boss, uh, Andy Bark. I, I'm, I'm so grateful for him all the times he let us come, to, you know, down to the student sports office in Torrance. I just pick his brain and, and you know, being the good guy he was, he, he you know, he gave us time to give us his thoughts and, and, and what he thought the community needed, um, you know, from an overall improvement standpoint. And uh, and I, I'm grateful for that. So I, I wish we had more of that coming from up top, um, you know, from, you know, whether it's the corporations that are sponsoring these events or, um, you know, uh, uh, maybe a board of, Guys like myself that, that's been in the game, you know, gosh, it's been on, uh, almost 20 years. Right. Um, that that can really give positive feedback, positive influence to make sure we're going in, in the in the right direction. Because um, that's the only part you know that we don't have right now is, is a real governing body that kind of holds everybody accountable to to do the right thing by these kids. That's a that's a great answer, Ron. Hey, Ron, one thing, this is GB, one thing I've noticed, and I was kind of late getting on the whole 7-on-7, because you mentioned I was, you know, working at student sports, and we're always doing our own events, And then, but once I left, the first event I went to was uh, the one of the pylon tournaments in, in Vegas, that was, I want to say that was Biggie and Trent's, like, freshman year, so it was kind of a long time ago, but, you know, one thing I, I remember, 
about both you and also want to throw in, you know, your your old partner, Henry Bell. But you guys seem to be more about the training, right? I mean, you guys mm-hmm. weren't, weren't about necessarily trying to win every tournament, although you guys did, or being the best dressed, although you guys were the only ones at that time when I was first coming out that had a sponsorship deal. It was kind of funny. Everyone wore these ugly T-shirts, and you see B2G walking out with, like, these sleek Adidas Dreyfus that no one else had. You guys, <laughs> I mean, people hated you guys, right? If you remember that, because they were jealous of all that stuff. You guys were sponsored. You guys want everything. You guys look clean. Uh, but you guys were all about the training and, and getting kids better, not so much about the other stuff. Do you feel like it's kind of been a, a little bit of a radical change from, from when you first started and your vision of getting kids better to now it's all about trying to win the tournament? Well, yeah, I, I think even before winning the tournament, I, I think some guys are, are so focused on showing up the guy in front of them, regardless of what the play is. And in football, as you guys know, if every player, all 11 guys, or in this case, all seven guys, complete their assignment, then the whole play is a success, right? But the minute you start to go into a one-on-one ego-driven battle of let me show up this guy let me make this guy look stupid let me humiliate this guy in front of me it takes away from your assignment of that play and so with that being said our focus from a training and development and a mentorship standpoint was always based on being able to one complete the assignment that that was given to you without any distraction, without losing focus, without um, having to get into it, or I'm gonna show you you know, what I can do, it has nothing to do with the play. Not to mention, again, going to a, a, a long-term development focus, it, it's also um, you know, something we press to all the guys, like, look, I, I, I know you wanna win this, this battle right now that's in front of you. But the reality is that is such a small, minuscule blip on your radar of your whole career that you need to be focused on the big picture. And that big picture um, will, will carry you through to doing the right things. One thing I, I admire about Trent Irwin, and I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anybody think like this at his age. When Trent was 15 years old, his goal in life already was to beat Jerry Rice's NFL records. Right, which is crazy. You know, we we have a tough time trying to get teenagers to think past the week, let alone the the year or or ten years down the road. So here's this high school kid whose vision of success was ten years down the road, fifteen years down the road. I I mean, probably even even longer than that when you do the math as far as how long it takes to even get to the league, let alone break Jerry Rice's records. So if you can imagine his mindset on a day-to-day was so much bigger than that fight right there in front of his face. So when you saw a lot of kids beat up on Trent, grab on his jersey and pull on it, you know, I didn't see guys try to grab his hair, and he'd still complete his mission and then get right back to the huddle and, and be ready for the next play because to him, that fight that he could get into because somebody, you know, P.I.'d him, did not matter in the grand scheme of things of uh, him. That was not going to help him beat Jerry Rice's records. You know, so it, it's a very difficult, very difficult uh, concept to, to teach to teenagers, but we're, we're going to still try to do it.
You know, still try to yeah. do it because it's important. You know, I'm glad you brought up Trent because we, we could spend a whole segment just talking about him. One of my all-time favorite receivers for so many reasons. I mean, never wore gloves. Probably the best hands I've ever seen at the high school level. And, and like you said, I've never seen a guy get beat up as badly as he did in every single game. I mean, people couldn't stop him, so they would just grab him, clutch like more so than it is now. Back then, I mean, they were just deliberately tackling the guy. He didn't. He catch a ball in the middle, and they would just clean out, just clean him out. And I never once saw him ever complain. He never like stared at a guy. He never laid on the ground. He popped back up, jumped back to the huddle, and then kind of touched on the next play. In, in your times of, of watching dudes, watching receivers, where would you rank him amongst the best that you've ever seen? Mm, it's it's tough. It's it's very tough. I mean, I think he still holds the CIF uh, record for receptions and career yards, right? I mean, I, I, I mean, it might even be it might even be a. I should probably look it up. It might even be a state record, right? Didn't he set? I, I think he yeah, it's a some, state record. Yes, yeah, you know, so I, I think one of your other guys actually broke it. Um, the name is escaping, but you had another uh, another white receiver who was a big, thick kid who was JP like a year or two after. Tr- yes, yeah, from yeah, Marina, yeah. Marina High School. Yeah, another one with the with the same mentality would, would get yeah, beat up and tough. yeah, yeah, and and it would still remain in his mind focused on my assignment do that to the best of my ability, complete it, and then let's get on to the next play. And, um, yeah, I mean, those, those two guys probably are two of the most prolific receivers in, in the state of California. Um, but it's tough, man. I mean, every year I, I fall in love with, with, with new kids that I, I think are my favorite, right, because that's just how, how it works when you're dealing with, um, you know, the high school level. But... Yeah, I can go on and on. I mean, that's that's a tough question, Greg. That's a tough what question. I mean, one? what about this? What about this question for you? Was there? Did you ever? Did you ever personally have a a better one-two combo than Brady White to Trent Irwin? I mean, those guys were completing passes in their sleep for four years in a row. Did you ever have anyone like that? Just a one-two that was just automatic? Um, I tell you what, I, I I'm gonna have to say Patrick O'Brien and Javon McKinley were as hot as I've ever seen a quarterback-receiver combo. Um, I mean, I think we won passing down that year. We won the BTG tournament in L.A. We won the BTG tournament in, in Chicago. Um, and, and those two guys were, I mean, they they were on fire for that entire 707 offseason. So, um yeah, that, they're, they're those guys could play. Net. They could play, but that was that was one offseason, though, Ron. I'm talking about for four years <laughs> in a row, right? Because they were both you got you got them as freshmen, and they both they didn't play for your younger team. They both played on your on your five star squad from the time they were freshmen all the way up. And you guys probably didn't lose more than four or five games in that five year period. I bet that, that four year yeah. period that was insane. Yeah, yeah, I, I I'm gonna have to agree with you on that one in, <laughs> in terms of you know. Real prolific careers with B2G, yeah. It, it doesn't get better than, than Brady and Trent. And, and I, you know, I tell you what, I, I think one of the, the reasons um, those two guys are both very, very close on and off the football field. I mean, they basically lived at each other's house. They always, you know, were, were with each other, hanging out, um, regardless of what was going on. 
and uh, and they're both they're both nerds, right? And, and I, I mean this with with, with the compliment uh, implied. They're they're focused off the field to avoid sacrifices. Excuse me, avoid distractions, um, distractions, and being able to sacrifice to get to whatever their goal is is remarkable. And I I really really hope that America, you know, that that's looking at football. Um, and, and the secrets of success can look at those two guys as to a blueprint of how to how to do it. Um, I mean, it, it, it's really remarkable to see what type of men, what type of young men those two guys are. Very, very dedicated. I mean, and they and they have fun. Don't don't get me wrong. They they know how to have a good time. Um, come from great families that that are very social. Um, it's just they they have a rare commitment to doing the right thing at all times. And it's, it definitely should be spoken on more often. No doubt. That's what character's all about, right? Doing the, the right things and no one's really watching you. Absolutely. Hey, Ron, Absolutely. what about those... You, you, you guys, again, I kind of I got in on the, on the back end of it, but it seemed like for, for a while that the best rivalry on the circuit was you guys and Keyshawn Johnson's Team 19 team. Well, first it was him and Brian Kelly, but then just kind of just became Keyshawn. But you guys had some some absolute wars. You know, nowadays, you know, there's a lot of good teams. Kind of, you know, there's super teams, but there's players all spread out. But it's like it was always you two guys in the final, and uh, it was usually you guys coming out on top. But you know, how, how fun was it going head to head with Keyshawn and, and some of the dudes that he coached? And I remember, you know, he had D'Anthony for a while. He had, you know, he had some dudes too. Talk about those battles back in the day. Um, you know what? I I really. Don't know. Yeah, I, I've never lost it to to Keyshawn and, and Team Nineteen. So yeah, I mean, when you when you say rivalry, usually the rivalry has to kind of go wrong. You know, go it, bring it. It, 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 it has to have <laughs> wins on both sides. So um, yeah, I, I I can think of some others that gave me a, a better rivalry. I mean, I probably had a better rivalry with, with uh, Body by Trey. Um, I remember one year uh, we just couldn't beat those guys, and then we came back the next year, and we had the number, and then you know it, it kind of went vice versa. To me, that's more of a, a rivalry. Now, however, let me say this: not to disrespect Team 19 at all, because they brought the best out of us. We had to bring our absolute A plus game every time to win. Um, I mean, we had probably at least three or four games that came down to the final play in the championship. Um, So, yeah, with that being said, they definitely gave us, you know, some of the best competition we've seen. And, and yeah, they were very talented and it was, you know, very exciting, fun battles. Um, But in terms of true rivalries, I don't know. I I, I look at the the teams that, that maybe had our number four minute and then, we had the number four minute. It kind of went back and forth, if that makes any sense. No, dude, I, I remember the Body by Trey teams had uh, it, Tyler Halinski. Um, yeah. You know, was the quarterback. They had Scrappy Norman, who was so scrappy, and him and Trent had some had some battles. Yeah, Jones yeah. was one of their corners. And they had a bunch of guys that no one really ever ever knew that well. And that's kind of what made it fun. I, I know that you know this, but anytime someone played you guys – 
it, whether you guys were on top or, or not, it always seemed like everyone was gunning for, for you guys. Everyone was gunning oh, for no D2G. Doubt. Yeah, no, those, no doubt about it. Especially Trey and, and, and that group, because they, they were the no-namers just battling. And you guys had all the, the guys with all the offers and, you know, the high four or five-star dudes. And you guys were always everyone's circle when they played B2G. And they would circle you guys and they would gun for you all. No doubt. <laughs> no, no, no doubt about it. And that's kind of the, you know, catch to being on top for so long or, or having the sponsorships when nobody has it. You know, the stuff that everybody wants, you know, yeah, you end up getting everybody's best game. No doubt about it. And so I, I think that's been helpful to our players because, um, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to competition, I don't believe you can take anybody like because I think any game you can lose, right? Um, with that being said, what better experience could you have as a, as a young player in high school to have, you know, pretty much a um, almost like the, the Yankees or, or the Patriots or, or, you know, some of those, those greats where everybody wants to beat that team. To play on those teams, you got to really come with it. It really teaches you that, you know what, there's some no-name guys that I've never seen in my life that are plotting and planning to whoop my tail if I don't come with my A game. And so you cannot take your foot off the gas pedal. I think that's a valuable lesson that we've learned because of it. But yeah, it, it, it's definitely been some heated battles with, with teams we didn't even know existed. <laughs> because yeah, we, we were their poster board material, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt about it. You guys are the team. Everybody wanted to knock off. Well, hey, Ryan, we got to wrap this baby up. But, man, I appreciate you coming on the show, um, reminiscing, dropping knowledge. I really think you have some great points when you talk about a body, a governing body and some mentorship aspects for these young kids and coaches coaching coaches, right? You got to coach the coaches. I definitely think that's a component that needs to be um, inserted into the 707 circuit sooner rather than later. But again, we appreciate you for coming on the Transparent Truth. Ron Allen, B2G, before we let you go, where can people find B2G? How can they get a hold of B2G as a contact? Uh, B2Gsports.com is a website. At B2G Sports is our Twitter and official underscore B2G Sports on Instagram. There you go. That's a social media job. We appreciate my man, Ron Allen, B2G legend, godfather in the game of the 7-on-7 circuit. We appreciate you, big dog. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you guys. All right, you take that. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. All right, we appreciate Ron for joining us. Greg, any final thoughts and takeaways from that interview with Ron? You know, I'm kind of kicking myself. We kind of kept it 7-on-7, but uh, I want to ask, you know, Ron went to UCLA, and he actually, I'm pretty sure he actually was on – the Cade McNown senior year team in 98 that, uh, that, shoot, that was a national championship team. Kind of the last time UCLA, and this doesn't sound you know, rude, but that was kind of when they were the, the most relevant. And there was that controversy before they played Miami about, you know, the black armband. You remember that controversy? Oh, yeah, I remember. I wanted to ask Ron about that, and I totally forgot to see it. Was that legit? Was it an offense-defense thing? Was it a, you know, a black armband thing that some guys were saying not right now, not the time? But regardless, they lost to Miami, ended up losing the Rose Bowl. They could have played Tennessee, and uh, and my guy T. Martin, and possibly won, you know, a national title that year. That was a, that was a good a good UCLA team. So, kicking myself for not asking Ron about that that, that question. Maybe next time we'll get him on. We could ask him about some UCLA stuff. 
Yeah, no question about it. But it, it was a fun interview, and uh, Ron, he's got a lot think? of. What did you like? What did you take away from? You that? know what? I liked. I like again. I like the fact that Ron looks at the bigger picture. Right? Is is it to me? Seven hundred seven is not about offers. To me, to him, it was more than just about offers. It's about really grooming these guys, preparing these guys, and developing these guys for sustained success. Not just about an offer to a school, but a work ethic, a commitment to a work ethic that was going to help sustain your impact and effect on the game, no matter where you went to school, so that you got on the field early, you were an impact player early, and even if you weren't, you had the work ethic to to continue to develop and train and build your repertoire and your skill set into a guy that coaches had to put on the field. And I know that was well said, and I totally agree with with all of that. Now, nothing wrong with offers. Obviously, you know, if you're a parent, you know, and you're a kid, that's a dream to go to college for free. So, in no ways are we saying, shoot, you know, don't worry about offers. But man, there's so much more that goes beyond the offer. How about being ready to go when you do get to that dream school of yours or right. whatever school you choose? And I think that's what Ron, you know, was about back in the day was getting those guys ready to go so they could be ready. So, uh, yeah, no, he was as always man, so well spoken, so uh, filled with knowledge. It's always going to catch up with Ron when I see him. No. Not as much as I used to, but uh, always going to catch up with him. Yeah, no doubt about it. So it's time to bring us this baby to a close, GB. We appreciate you fans out there for listening. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Find every show on YouTube. Go do that now. You can find me. Keith at nationalpreps.com. I'm on YouTube. I upload every show. Make sure you guys are listening in. For my partner, Greg Biggins, it's your boy, Coach Keith. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name's Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.